0: Today on the 1012 podcast, some rumors that we've heard in regards to Big 12 scheduling. We talk about Brett Yormark's interview on the Marshan and Oran podcast, TCU and SMU ending their series. We get our thoughts and get the thoughts from our new TCU podcast, Frogs Up, plus introduce you to our new Texas show, Longhorn Republic. This podcast is part of the Sports Social
1: Podcast Network. <music>
0: Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 14 teams in the Big 12 conference, plus Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network. You can find every podcast in the network at 1012network.com. That's T-E-N, the number 12, the word network.com, including our new additions. We are also partners with Sport Social the biggest and best sports podcast network in the UK. I am your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. We are two weeks away from the first Big 12 football game of the season kicking off between UCF and Kent State. The day this drops on Thursday, two weeks away. Oh, that's an incredible feeling. It still feels way too far away. Way too far away. Too far. Cannot wait. Need to get here soon. Need to get here soon. A uh, reminder we are on YouTube. You can find exclusive interviews that will be posted there with some fantastic guests. Uh, this episode, if you're listening to this episode on YouTube, do us a favor. Like the video. Please subscribe. If you're listening to this as a podcast, especially on iTunes, five stars and a review, please. It really is an easy way to help the show out. Another great way to help this show. And many of the shows in the 1012 Network is visit our Patreon. Page is up. The link is in the show notes. It's out on Twitter. You can go there, do a simple $5 a month subscription. It really is going to support the shows. If you're a fan of a 1012 podcast, this 1012 podcast, a 1012 Network podcast, and you want to say, I love what you guys do. I want you to keep doing it. I want to show you some support. It's $5 a month on Patreon. There is an article there. About the non-conference schedule issue in the Big 12 moving forward, starting next summer. Um, I don't make a promise for content on there. I can't, as of now. I will try, but I make no promises. Okay. Uh, lots and lots of content in the network. You, you just you need to go to 1021network.com. Check out every show. Everyone's pumping out incredible stuff. Go check it all. There's no better way to just keep getting yourself jazzed and jacked and ready for the season than with the Ten Twelve Network. We got a lot to get to. We've got uh, two good interviews to help further introduce some of the new shows here in the network. But we got a lot of stuff to talk about before we get to those. We've got a lot of stuff that dropped on Wednesday. We've got to talk about. Let's start with the halftime show. Brett Yormark teased a while back. Big 12 would have a Super Bowl like halftime show at the Big 12 Football Championship game in Arlington this year and now we know the performer it's Nelly. Nelly will perform the show. I've seen a mixed review, mixed uh, mixed bag of responses to the announcement that it is Nelly who will be the lead singer, the lead act, the big draw. Get your jokes in now. That's fine. Make your cracks, especially the OU and Texas fans who are going to leave the Big 12 for the SEC. (laughs) Nelly, (laughs) get him in now because you all know, you know, every word to at least two Nelly songs and will be singing along when you watch the game. You do, you will, you know it. So enjoy the jokes and then enjoy the show because you will enjoy it. I'm good with it. I'm absolutely fine with Nelly being the halftime show. Is it the youngest, hippest, coolest get? No. Am I glad it's not country? Yes, because the Big 12 has leaned into that a little bit too much for my musical taste over the years. Will it be a fun show with a bunch of songs that my generation knows? Absolutely. Will I be singing along to some of these songs? Yeah. Yeah, I will. At least the chorus on a couple of them. I'll take it. Uh, According to the release, Nelly will be joined by the marching bands of both participating teams. Set your team fandom aside. Here's the question: uh, Which schools would you want to make the Big Twelve championship game just for their bands to be in it? I think we all agree: no Oklahoma, because then they'd just be playing Boomer Sooner the entire time. But what bands would you want? Forget forget the school, forget your school. Like, which bands would you want? I, I want to know. Uh, you can DM us on Twitter X, whatever it's called, at network, ten twelve network t e in the number twelve the word network. Uh you can hit us up on Instagram at ten twelve pod. I'm really curious what you guys think about that. Uh that news comes out the same day that a very, very big interview dropped. Big twelve Commissioner Brett Yormark uh, went on the Marshan and Oran podcast for their one hundredth episode as a big get for them. It's a great show. If you if you like the business of sports and and media deals, like it's a really, really good podcast. They've covered everything in the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve exquisitely. Uh, I don't know if that was on purpose that they dropped the halftime show news the same day that that podcast drops. If it was or wasn't, does not matter? It was some smart strategic planning. Keeping the Big 12 in the news, you saw the Big 12 all over social media because of all the news that came out about it. It's good stuff. Smart. I want to talk about some of the comments that Brett had in the interview. He had a lot to say about a lot of things about his first year on the job. It's only been one year, and he has done so much. But he had a lot of interesting things to talk about. We're going to kind of break through some of them. Let's talk about realignment. He was asked about realignment, and Brett made it very clear. Quote, we're done. Realignment is over for the Big 12 for the foreseeable future. I don't care which Twitter account or social media account that's built up their entire audience on having inside knowledge and throwing as much stuff against the wall as possible to see what would stick. And luckily throwing up enough that some things did they're done. Makes a lot of sense. There's no need to add any G fives. There's no need to add basketball only right now. There's no ACC implosion to go and poach teams from. So we good. We good for now. And I, for one am happy about that. Eh? Folks, we've been waiting for this day, and it is finally here, and I am I am I'm thrilled to finally say this is the last time we're talking about realignment until probably next year. I would like to go that long. I feel like Santa on December twenty-sixth, like we got one day of rest at least. We've got we got a little bit period of rest before we gotta get back to work and prep. Yes, I know. The movies always show him show up like that the next morning. It's like, all right, we gotta start getting ready. Like surely Santa takes one day off a year. York was kind of talking about his 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 time. And kind of the plan. Quote, we had a vision. There were three things that we really wanted to address. One, we wanted to do our TV deal, uh, go out early, stabilize the conference. Two, we wanted to resolve the Texas and Oklahoma situation. And then the last of three items was expansion. We accomplished all three in my first year. It's awesome. That's great. I, I had three goals in, in year one, and we achieved all of them. Fantastic. Uh, what could make you dive back into realignment? Quote, ultimately, it's about value creation. There's no need to expand just for the sake of expansion. What ultimately is going to create value for the Big 12 in that next TV cycle. We go back into the market in January of 2030. Whatever we do now sets us up for that moment. We feel now being in 10 states, having more than 90, people, 90 million people in our footprint. like We're good. This is awesome. Like, this is a good thing. He came in. He achieved his goals. He set the Big 12 up for success. Got a TV deal done now. The last one, the last available big one, as the Pac-12 learned. He said, I mean, he had comments on that. uh, On the Big 12's deal with ESPN and Fox, quote, at the time, I didn't realize that was the last big deal that was available. Media deal, especially in our industry of collegiate athletics. Sometimes you get lucky. But sometimes luck can mask being the best prepared, being the smartest. Handling things properly, but there is an inner, an article about what happened with the Pac-12 uh, in the LA Times, and I have read it, and it is, it is, it is staggering. How much time George Klyavkov spent trying to get the UC Board of Regents to deny UCLA's move to the Big Ten? Like, I, I just. I don't want to sit here and hammer on the Pac 12, but I am going to hammer on Kliafkov for a second and, and just continue to point out the difference between Kliafkov and your Mark. Your Mark went out, said he was going to have Endeavor, got Endeavor in there, and Endeavor served him well. Kliafkov brought in a buddy from college to help with that kind of stuff. It didn't go well. According to the article in the LA Times by J. Brady McCullough, Cleafkopf was deeply engaged with a small group of regents about the framework of a deal that would lead to the regents voting to block UCLA's move. The regents gave Cleafkopf a magic number. If he could guarantee the Bruins UCLA 52 million dollars annually during the 5 years of the league's next media deal, the regents promised Cleafkopf a vote heavily in the favor of UCLA staying in the Pac-12. Even with the LA market back under the conference footprint, it was very unlikely that the Pac-12 was going to media rights deal. For 11 schools to net $52 million per school. So not only did Klyavkov need the Pac-12 presidents to sign off on the guaranteed money, they would also have to take the leap of faith to sign a grant of rights, binding the schools together without knowing the exact details of what their media deal would be. Lastly, the Pac-12 would have to pay the $15 million fee UCLA would owe to the Big Ten for breaking its agreement. When Klyavkov presented the idea to the Pac-12 board, Oregon interim president Patrick Phillips vehemently shut it down. He said he would not have the Ducks in a conference where they would have to take less money than UCLA. and Any conversation about the possibility quickly died. Klyavkov spent months trying to make UCLA stay in the Pac-12. Hey, I need all of you to guarantee to take less money so UCLA can make $52 million a year so that they will stay in the conference. Oh, and sign, sign an agreement even though I don't have a deal done. From what I've gathered from Klyavkov, he's not much of a salesman. Can you imagine how that sales pitch went? That is an insane thing to ask. And you're not that good a salesman. That's insane. Meanwhile, your mark over here just saying, hey, this opportunity is presented. Let's lock this down. If we get the deal, the TV deal done, then we can move off of Oklahoma and Texas, get them out of here early. and, And then we can work on expansion. Boom, boom, boom. I mean, it's literally two guys who had polar opposites. One guy who could do no right, and one guy who's been batting not a thousand. Like everyone doesn't love all the things he's talked about. But he's batting pretty well. He's been very successful. It's just it's just incredible comparing the two so far. Your mark was asked about uh, Gonzaga and Yukon in the interview. Quote, I did have conversations with Yukon Gonzaga, and unfortunately things didn't work out. Only because the dream scenario unfolded for us. The dream scenario, of course, being the four corner schools all agreeing to join the Big 12. Quote, those conversations are no longer. I'm a big admirer of those programs. They are fantastic for all the right reasons. But right now, I'm focused on the transition of those four in. Those being Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. And also, how do I leverage the fact that I'm now a 16-team league in 10 states with 90 million people in four different time zones? So that's my focus right now. That makes sense. He's not done. It's like, all right, we're good. We got our deal. Oh, you and Texas are leaving. We finished expansion. Let's just focus on who's gonna be halftime shows for a while. No, there's a lot of work to be done. A lot of work to be done. Part of it's putting yourself in a position to not lose footing the next time your TV rights come up for availability. You don't want to fall behind further. You want to keep pace, if not make up ground. I just, you got to feel good about the future. You've got to feel good about the future. If you have not listened to the podcast, if you have not listened to the whole thing, go do so. It's really good. There's a ton of good information in there. It's a fantastic interview. Go check it out. I do want to talk about uh, TCU is going to pause the series with SMU after the 2025 season. This year will be the 102nd Iron Skillet matchup. The schools are 35 miles apart and played each other uh, since 1915. TCU leads the series 52-42-7. Um, I, I hate this. For the TCU fans are like, why do some of you care when you haven't covered the game? Have I been to the game? No. Have I talked about the game before many times? Yes. It's a fun non-conference rivalry between two teams that are 35 miles apart. I I, I get the points of why should TCU be doing SMU any favors? You shouldn't. Um, I understand the comments from TCU Athletic Director Jeremy Donati about this quote we have a tremendous respect for smu in the battle for the iron skillet which dates back over 100 years playing more home games has been a priority for us and our fans and is most importantly in the best interest of the tcu football program we look forward to annually having seven home games and as many as eight in certain years as our future non-conference schedules evolve we keep open the possibility of future games with the mustangs they don't want to play this game sonny dykes doesn't want to play this game anymore he got nasty Since he joined TCU. It was was pretty ugly last year. I'm sure it'll be ugly again this year. I understand. But I hate it. I don't have to like it. I can understand why. I don't have to like it. I don't like seeing rivalry games that have been played for 100 years stop being played. I understand you want to have more home games. Okay? It didn't matter till now. It's not like you have to travel that far, and frankly, There's no reason TCU shouldn't be able to turn games against SMU in Dallas into home games. But okay. I get it. That's fine. I hate it. We'll see if it gets picked back up at some point. Just another rivalry lost. It's not TCU's fault that that this is happening to some extent. This is the way of college football now. But I don't have to like it. Speaking of scheduling, uh, that is going to be a big thing to talk about. Everyone's drawing up their own maps and and pods and things of that nature. Um, Here's what I'm going to tell you that I have been told. Um, There are some ADs in the conference who want divisions and some many who don't. Um, There will not be pods. There are not going to be pods in the Big 12. You will either have divisions or you will have protected games, protected rivalries. I would expect it's going to be protected rivalries. I don't think we're going to go backwards. Sometimes zagging instead of when everyone else is trying to zig is not the best move. There are some in the league who want to go back to an eight-game football schedule. I have a feeling that's going to be a hard sell to ESPN and Fox. Unless you're guaranteeing an extra Power 5 non-conference game. As I wrote for Patreon... There are a bunch of games that already have to be figured out in the non-conference for Arizona, Colorado, Houston, Kansas State, Utah, and BYU over the next like five not years. That's already going to be hard enough. There's not a lot of opportunities out there for marquee non-conference games. So you basically want to replace a Power 5 game, a Big 12 game, with an, an extra G5 opponent. Good luck with that. Um, The goal in all of this... The priority in all of this is to get as many teams in the 12-team playoff as possible. Whatever decision is made as far as how the Big 12 starts to schedule moving forward, it is about getting multiple teams in the 12-team playoff. That's the goal, and it should be. Because there's no guarantee that we're going to have conference champs protected and get in. If you're the Big Ten in the SEC, you're not, you don't need that. You're not going to push for it. If you're the Big 12, you are going to push for it. You are going to vote for it. But you've got to put yourself in a position to have as many teams you're able to get in. You need two teams a year at a minimum. And you'd like to get more. So that's going to be the goal. Whatever they decide, that's going to be the goal. And hopefully we find out the resolution of this before the end of the year. I would expect we find out by the end of the year. I think the delay this last time because, because of Oklahoma and Texas, not their fault so much, though Texas to some extent, uh, but just in getting them out. I would expect we hear something by the end of the year for how at least next year goes, but I would expect a couple of years. That's all I got for right now. That was a lot. I know. I'm sorry. We had a lot to get to. Just like we got two great interviews coming up. I still have no reason to not go ahead and, and hop on with our friends, Gerald and Kyle, the host of Longhorn Republic, who are now the new Texas podcast in the 1012 network. And Anthony and Russ, the host of our new TCU podcast, Frogs Up. So let's get to it. All right. So I, I may have had a little bit of pushback inside the network. And, and it's not because of the two gentlemen I'm about to introduce. It's mostly because why on God's earth, God's beautiful green earth, would I bring on a new Texas podcast? When Texas will be leaving the Big 12 in 2024, this of course is a podcast network that covers the Big 12 conference, not the SEC, not the also-rans. Like I'm not going to add a podcast for Oklahoma. I'm just not. I'm not going to add one for Missouri or A&M. And it's not because there's not good OU podcasts. So I'm just not going to do it. But, you know, when 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 you have friends who host a Texas podcast and an opportunity presents itself, you know, sometimes it's about the people more than it is the school that they root for. I'm not going to hold that against them (laughs) when I can bring on two good people and look. You have Texas as the favorite in the Big Twelve this year. So the opportunity to have a show to dunk on if and when Texas doesn't achieve that <laughs> those uh, those expectations. How can I ignore that? So uh joining the 1012, very excited to have them. They are the hosts of the Longhorn Republic podcast. That is Gerald Goodridge and Kyle Carpenter. Guys, welcome.
1: Uh you can you could call me Shoyden and my co-host Freuda. Um, we are here to absorb all of your hatred. Uh no, we're we're so excited to be here. Philip, one of our Favorite people in the world, a lot of our friends here already in the 1012. This is this is a thrill.
2: And this is something my wife is a big romance novel reader. And this is like the second chance romance of a podcast mm. network, right? We've had mm. there have been flirting, there's been like some looks across the room, the stars never aligned, <laughs> and then we're finally here, right? It finally wore you down. We finally like you're slumbling it up a little bit to bring us on. Uh we really appreciate it
1: a bit like the smash hit a walk to remember there, there may be a certain death at the end of this, but the romance, we're going to (laughs) cry along the way. It's going to be beautiful.
0: Uh, inevitable, uh, death at the end of the movie, teen romances, they never get old. Uh, (laughs) they, they never, they never grow old either. Um, Oh, (laughs) look, no, the, the joke of like, this has been a back and forth for some time. It's, it's true. Like when we started the network, um, you guys are one of the shows that I originally approached to be a Texas podcast, and at the time, uh, part of SB Nation and Vox, and then Vox said, "Hey, we've been slowly tearing SB Nation <laughs> down and making it a worse and worse product. Correct. Let's get rid of podcasts because nobody likes those." And so suddenly, <laughs> out there on the open free market, uh, is sitting a a very good Texas podcast who is probably the I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this I think the least trolly. Texas podcast that exists, and and it's I mean not that's not setting the bar very high, (laughs) but the bar is in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But you know, look, I I think you guys do a good job. I think you uh, you you show the rest of the conference a, a decent amount of respect. In case, in fact, more respect than I think a lot of individuals who cover Texas do. And so I just look. It, it made it made sense to me. And again, there are people who are gonna be like, I don't care. I don't care who it is. I don't I don't care if if uh, it, it, Jordan Shipley himself has agreed to come and host a podcast here. I don't <laughs> care cool. who it is. Like you shouldn't bring a Texas podcast on. And the question's gonna be asked: well, What are you gonna do when they leave for, for the SEC? We'll we'll cross that bridge. That's right. Uh, when we get to it, uh, we'll just we'll keep them on and silently just like start ignoring them
2: until an SEC <laughs> network pops up and goes, "Hey, Gerald, Kyle, come along." Like every good, like every good marriage, right? You just let things fizzle out and right. see where it goes. Right, yeah. right. Yeah.
1: Just, yeah, ignore any of the glaring problems and let's just, you know, let's really enjoy the ride, you know, let's, uh, let's drive fast and there'll never be a cliff and we'll never run out of gas. Let's just enjoy the, the MPHs. We
0: just, we keep talking about teen romances, you know, I mean, come on folks, like what are long-term plans? We don't need those. We don't need to plan <laughs> any of that. We're
2: just going to worry about the here and the now and be in it. Yes, It's yes. it's graduation night and we can't hardly wait to get this thing moving.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
2: So, other than
0: the fact that you guys cover Texas and obviously used to be part of of SB Nation, fill everybody in who may not know you or may not know your show. Like what what should what should listeners
2: expect when they come and listen to the Longhorn Republic? Um. So our intro, I think, sums it up really, really good. We like to give like a comprehensive view of texas sports like a lot of the podcasts and a lot of the texas coverage out there's right like football and basketball focus and we devote like 15 minutes of, of our tuesday show every week to like all of the other sports that honestly carry the athletic department in a lot of ways uh, we give them as much shine as we possibly can uh, we like to throw a lot of snark in there we don't take ourselves very seriously uh, which again is kind of unlike a lot of texas fans and a lot of texas coverage out there like we're well aware that like the football team has been an absolute tire fire for 13 years and like we're just we just live with that and lean into that um kyle and i've been friends for a long time and i think that's the thing that um we try to bring is like kyle and i've known each other for pushing like 20 years now so um that's what that's what shines through i think
1: I hope. Yeah. We've, we've done this podcast itself for what? Is it seven years? Is that true? Something like six or seven?
2: Yeah. I lost count.
1: It's been a lot. Like basically, since Texas got, you know, bad at, we've never really covered a good Texas team, but that's fine. Um, but Gerald's correct. I think, uh, a, a, a inherent love of, I sometimes jokingly call them down ballot sports. Like, we know the big three revenue sports are football, baseball, and basketball. And we love those. And we'll talk a lot about those, but you know, Gerald and I both, uh, cut our teeth in college covering, uh, the women's teams. And I was an RA and had two different women's programs as my residence. Like I, I, uh, we've been huge advocates for women's sports uh, coverage in Texas and beyond. Um, I think the big 12 has, you know, obviously think about softball and some uh, of the other sports volleyball uh, has tremendous, tremendous competition in those. And in some of the the sports tennis track, they get a little bit less coverage. We're huge, huge fans. Um, But again, I think uh, we've covered since we were students, uh, the Longhorns have a lot of, uh relationships and a little bit of network and uh decent amount of knowledge i hope uh, but yeah just just two guys who are self-aware of, of where texas stands uh the good the bad the warts and all and uh and are not afraid to poke fun at anyone if you come on our show it might be you um, but certainly ourselves and the team that we cover and i'm kyle by the way this is a visual medium as as we all know <laughs> podcasting so i am kyle is the voice you are hearing now
2: The first one to talk was Gerald. (laughs) I
0: I just, I don't think I ever stopped to think about the Texas to Stanford comp here of like everything but football. Um, I mean, yeah, that's yeah.
1: We are both everyone. Everyone has followed religiously the director's cup for many, many, many years, not just when Texas started winning it, but literally it is a Texas Stanford competition. And every once in a while, someone else sneaks in, you know to make it interesting but yeah it's it's the it's the national championship races in the sports uh, seven through 20 that that you know ultimately decide that for both texas and stanford
0: i appreciate you're not calling them non-revenue sports as they are not non-revenue they're just Correct. not the uh what we call the, money, the money makers uh right. I, you guys <laughs> wow you guys have not that's true you haven't covered texas Well that's
2: Let's see the 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 Big Bowl. Championship that's game, right. that's Sugar right. Bowl season. One year, yeah. That one that's existed. Yeah. It was good.
1: It it was one good year. That is true. The,
2: if if this describes our level of Texas fandom, like Kyle and I are writers and we started this podcast during Charlie Strong, like that's yeah. that is what how our level of like we're here for this. Like we're 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 not new to this. We're true to this. Like
1: in the yeah, absolutely. The caveat <laughs> is too. Gerald uh, and, and I both tried to, we're a couple of years apart, tried to find a way to bookend national championships with our time at, at UT, right? Like our appearances, at least we, uh, we have, uh, we, we were there when the getting was good. So it does feel like it's, you know, it is an entirely different era and uh, maybe it's our fault. Maybe we caused this. We we often wonder that.
0: I mean, I'm sure there's many, uh, many a podcaster who wonders if they're the real reason that their school is not having the level of success that they believe that it should. Speaking of Texas football, I mean we're we're heading into a season, final year in the Big Twelve. Before we talk about expectations for football, at, at least from a final season kind of thing, I asked Kyle Umlong this question, and so I want to ask you guys as well. Like, how do you? I, I set the excitement about the SEC aside. I, I I don't hold against any Texas fan who's excited to be joining the SEC, but last year in the Big Twelve, last year against teams you've been facing on a regular basis since the mid 90s how, how are you how do you feel about this season like is there is there some like is it just haha we can't wait to get out of here or is there a certain amount of like this is this is like a goodbye a farewell tour this is the last one before we hang it up in this conference How how are you guys feeling about this year
2: What's the sure. opposite of whatever Kobe Bryant's farewell tour like? Where everybody was like celebrating, we love Kobe. Like I feel like that's the opposite of what Texas fans are going to experience in this. But the the
1: opposite of that may have been the Tim Duncan farewell tour, where no one knew it, and he's like, "By the way, I'm retiring." And I don't think it's either <laughs> of those. We won't get love <laughs> and adulation, um, and it won't be a surprise. We all know it's coming. It it is the it is really like the chance to be like the NWO was the perfect wrestling faction because they leaned in so hard to being the bad guys that. They stopped being the bad guys. So maybe that's us. Maybe we can stop being the bad guys. But there will be hate, and that is fair. But there will be a little sadness, Philip. I think, honestly, right? Like, um, my wife went to Baylor. So Baylor, to me, I think that's UT's second uh, most played opponent, right? It's not just since the 90s. We've been playing them since the turn of the century. Um, it, schools like that, right? There are, you know, oh, I guess we probably won't play them very often. There are schools that um, the rivalries have grown, like, a little bit toxic. And it's not like I'm I'm super um, sad to see it go or cool down for a little while. like I think about Texas Tech and that fan base just like it isn't like a rivalry. I hate Texas It's like, no, I will kill. I will murder a longhorn fan if I see them. like it's like it's gotten you know, it's gotten nasty. So like a couple of years to cool down maybe we come back, we play and it's just a fun rivalry type of game. um, you know some of those at Kansas State I've never you know uh shied away from my hate how much they beat us for when I was in school and we used to you know not lose often. So like that feels like a rivalry to me and it's it's a good one. it's a good natured fun one. I'll miss. Playing them, they're just the, you know, everything opposite of Texas and resources wise and always managed to be right there. Like Oklahoma State has been some wild games over the years that have just been some of the most memorable sporting activities that that I've been a part of. And so it is sad to think that those won't be gone. Obviously, you replace it with something new. If football just ended, it would be much sadder that um, we didn't. But like, you know, I hope that some of these turn into out of conference, you know, opponents every couple of years because it'll be fun to rekindle, I think.
2: Yeah, I think of it a lot like the the Arkansas game that Texas played non-con a couple of years ago, where it's like, um, <laughs> you 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 don't, like you dust off the hate, like you put it on a shelf in a little bit, and then you you know it's the week and you're like, oh yeah, I loathe these bucktooth hillbillies or like whatever you want to call it right much love <laughs> to arkansas um not at all but like that's that's what that's you know that's part of the feeling and you know kyle and i both came up watching big 12 football right like you said most of my like formative memories of of texas football and texas athletics overall have that big 12 logo on the chest right it's you know thinking of jamal charles and the um you know kind of setting the world on fire in the uh in the cotton bowl or Vince young pump faking, you know, Oklahoma state DBs out of their shoes or (laughs) Cedric Benson, you know, going off for 200 yards. And I was at that, that Cedric Benson second half game, right? Like all of those things are, like intrinsic like the Big 12 is kind of intrinsic to what has made me a massive college football fan and so um, like yes it's exciting and and, you know season ticket holders and folks that go to home games are getting uh, a much greater uh, level of cachet for like their ticket value but also like it you know this is the football I grew up watching and it's kind of weird and sucks a lot to see these things changing in that way.
1: There's two condiments on your shelf that never expire. One is honey and the other is hate. Whenever we we come back, we'll be able to crack that that open, that, that fresh can of hate, and it, it will still resonate, I think.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, according to sportsreference.com, Texas has played Baylor more times than any other team at 111. Mm. A&M at 109, Oklahoma at 108. Yeah. And then pass. Rice 96 times.
1: Why does Texas play Rice? It's good. It's good for football. <laughs>
0: hey, got to get those wins somehow. Absolutely. Uh, I am, I think it's a weird feeling at this point for the remaining Big 12 teams of like, we've, we've been ready, like go ahead and go. Like, it will be sad once it's done, but there's also been a certain amount of like, you guys have been leaving for a, a while. And so, um, could you stop leaving your suitcase by the front door? I'm tired of tripping over it in the morning, right? Sure. When we're trying sure. to get, to work, and so if you'd go ahead and take that and uh, and get out and uh, free up some space around the house, we'd appreciate that. That would be, be we're going to miss you once you're gone. That that first day the house is empty like, <laughs> to be a little sad. <laughs> um, you? I will. I mean, look. You know, it's it's been it's been nice these past as an Oklahoma State fan, the past decade's been very nice. I don't, I don't
3: know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you I almost feel like there is there is something to it, right? Like if and, and I'm not trying to compare Texas to Alabama right now in any way, but like if Alabama just left the SEC, a lot of teams have like tethered their like hate to hating Alabama. Like think about LSU. Like that's not a historic rivalry, but they hate Alabama, right? Because of recent. Um and there's like that idea of like I just want to knock like Georgia. We're going to knock Alabama off and become Alabama. But like, there's something about having a target for your ire and hate to like build on. Right. And when you remove something that's central and and I think Oklahoma certainly is a lot of that as well, but Texas and Oklahoma who have been, you know, the target of ire for many of the big 12 teams and and hate, it's like, it will be interesting to see. I think it's going to be a good vibes conference for a little while until you figure out like, who, who do we hate the most? You know, like that's, that's what I'm most interested to see for, for post Texas OU big 12.
0: Um, if, if Twitter tells us anything, I think we've already found the new enemy and it's the not because villain. of, it's not because of success or, or waving money around it. Just because <laughs> if you're going to act that way before you join and then you come <laughs> running cause you've got nowhere else to go, you, you, I, I've been say, asking for a while. Like, does the big 12 need a new villain. It's, I think, I think, I think we know who it might be.
2: I be mean, losers of two rose balls. Um. <laughs> you, like you and I, but like I, I'm a massive nerd, and like all of the best m- nerd media that I ingest is all like the best villains, right? The the villains make the story. It goes yeah. back, yes, you know, centuries. It's archetypal, right? The and so like there has to be somebody that's like f those guys. I don't like them, and when they come to town, I want to fight them. Like it's just it it just makes makes the story for sure. Gerald and I have been like
1: app actively campaigning for Texas to lean into the heel role for years, like quit trying to pretend to be the good guys just like you know flaunt your money be like Ted DiBiase like be overtly yeah uh, be be the worst uh because it just it's it's more fun if you if you don't try to obfuscate it be be the heel lean in and so hopefully on this exit tour Texas fully leans in
0: see the problem the problem is going to be like that works in the Big 12 but it won't work in the SEC because AM already has that like AM <laughs> has already claimed that and they have less success to back any of it up but still
2: the same amount of bravado and, and ego and and arrogance and yeah. so well, I feel like it's almost like moving schools in like high school you like you go from eighth grade to ninth grade and you move between those years you completely reinvent yourself or like from graduating high school going to college how many of us had a completely different personality yes the minute we moved into the dorms right like that's what I'm uh, hoping Texas fans lean into it's like hey that's we're cool, like we're chill, like yeah. we're here. We just want to be a member. We're glad to be here. We're a member of the crew. Like that's what I'm hoping. But you know, we've seen 13 ish, 15 ish years of evidence that Texas fans can't avoid stepping on our own feet. But at least yeah. we'll try.
1: Some of yeah,
2: some of the worst people I know are Texas fans. Some of the best I
1: know are Texas fans. But there's some terrible ones out there. I hope. Uh, I hope we can make the impression at least if Gerald and I are coming into this network and a couple people hear our voice that like there are decent ones like who get it who understand like we're we want good for the rest of, of the world like no one needs to not everyone has to be the worst like I joke about being the heel but like do it with a smile with a smirk and a self like w- acknowledging wink you know that's that's the way
0: So you're you're the Andy Kaufman of the situation yeah. got it okay all right I'll okay. take it I'll take I've it I've been called uh, worse uh... <laughs> All right, so let's let's wrap on this. Let's talk about this upcoming season for Texas preseason number one pick. Um, I've plenty of uh, look. It's gonna. I think the coaches poll had Texas like eleventh. I'm sure the AP will have them fairly high as well. Um, this you look at the roster, best offensive line in the Big Twelve, best receiving core in the Big Twelve. I don't agree, Max Shadwick. I loved you on the show, but top ten nationals safeties, I'm not going to push back on that one. But, like, there's no argument the talent at Texas actually might live up to the expectation of what the talent at Texas is supposed to be in quite some time. Minus all the, yeah, Quinn Ewers is suddenly going to go from a 50% completion rate quarterback outside of uh, half against Oklahoma and a quarter against Alabama to, like, actually the quarterback everyone seems to keep claiming he is. So I'm, like, The expectation is there for Texas this season. It's always there, but, I mean, this year it's actually there because we don't normally get Texas as a preseason number one pick in the Big 12. We don't don't see that. We just have the, like, national media doing it. Mm -hmm. I mean, how are we feeling about Texas this year? Like, how are you guys feeling about Texas this year and the expectations that are actually realistically
2: posted and shown for them? I think it's a year where, like, you can – there's like a caveat here. There's a big caveat here, right? I think the expectation for Texas is making an appearance in Arlington, if not winning the whole thing. That's the expectation for a lot of folks. I also okay. think two conference losses could put you there this year in the ball, just because it's going to be such a weird year. Like any year in the Big 12, really, you can go, you know, whatever, eight and two or whatever it not you know is, seven and two uh, in the conference and still make it to the the big 12 championship games so i think there's going to be this weird moment where texas fans are talking out of both sides of their mouth or like oh that texas should have won all 12 games I'm like or you know whatever but or they're going to be in arlington playing for your conference championships like there's two sides of that coin there's a really there's not much of a nuanced conversation when you're dealing with college football fans in general sure. uh, but like i think that's the nuance that we have to understand here is like texas can go 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 and still play for and potentially win a conference championships. Like there's that, um, the duality of the situation there.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, Texas has not been untalented before or for a long time, right? Like people will point to recruiting classes. I think there's a couple of things, right? Sark, the attrition rate has been phenomenally different than it has been in past years. So these big classes they get that for whatever reason, sometimes, you know, freak events of injuries and, and fo- ending football careers, but also like, you know, transferring out and, and just not... Uh, matriculating like that has changed so a lot of the talent that's been recruited is there and also the way he's you know accumulated talent he came in immediately identified like we're like stacked where you know it's like the guy who just forgets leg day right like i'm my biceps are huge but like stark has very much just flushed out the you know the body of 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 the 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 texas hypothetical you know uh athlete that i have created here um like the lines right he's focused on getting the lines you you mentioned it philip i think the reason that this team legitimately has a shot to be good this year and, and, you know, has the expectation to be in the championship this year is because of the lines on both sides, but especially the offensive line. The reason that, you know, the expectation that ah, Texas is going to instantly go to the sec and get knocked out, Well, I don't know. Like if the lines are playing, you know, up to where they are, then, then I think they're ready for this year and the future because that's, you know, that's NFL style, right. That's where games are won. And so I think, you know, you can quibble with different things. Like, I think Jalen Catalan transferring, if he stays healthy, that's the reason you get that prediction that you get about Texas's defensive secondary. I think he legitimately, uh, when he went to Arkansas, Gerald and I were both so incredibly upset because we very, thought he was the best safety in the country then uh, as a recruit. Even when he went to Arkansas, he proved it his freshman year, his unbelievable injuries have derailed him from being that player. If he can be that player, good lord. You have Jalen Ford, right? Who we both think was robbed of the defensive player of the year last year, should be the prohibitive favorite for the best defensive player in the conference uh this year at, at the linebacker group where Texas just hasn't had talent uh like that, uh, who produced like that at the linebacker position in a long time, right? If their defensive line can can step up and and, and play up to the level, then there's not really a hole on this team. Again, you say Quinn Ewers, but I don't know a quarterback in the history of, of college football, but certainly at UT and certainly in Sark's system that doesn't take that second year step up. doesn't have to be perfect, but can he just be very good, right? Can he be, um, you know, a, a portion of what we expect his trajectory to look at with his natural talent. So a lot of those things, and, and you mentioned, you know, offensive line receiver, uh, some of the secondary positions, linebacker, like they're just strong in areas that winning football teams are strong in. And so it, it's a top 15 team. Like you're just looking at that. Does a top 15 team equate to being, you know, outright can't, can't touch on Big 12 champion this year? I don't know. We'll see. Um, can they jump all the way up inside the top 10? Sure. They play well and things break their way. There's no unserious team in the Big 12. A lot of conferences have a lot of teams that are just like, oh, you have Vanderbilt this year or just like teams that Boston College, what are you doing? Are you spending? Like, what is your trajectory philosophy? The Big 12 is not like everyone is a 10-win team, but everyone wants to be and is spending and is strategic and is recruiting. Like the Big 12 is serious top to bottom. There are no easy weeks. Everyone, there's a lot of weird, funky stuff that happens in this conference out of necessity where, you know, just think about haycock at, at iowa state and, and what he's done over the years with you know that resource pool and, and like that kind of stuff in the big 12 ends up spreading through college football so like it's never easy the big 12 is you could be the favorite you could lose twice like gerald said it's never easy
0: i've decided based off your guy who skips leg day metaphor that uh texas under tom herman was freddie rodriguez in lady in the water i will not explain that joke you can google it and you will understand <laughs> it <laughs> They understand. Yeah, it's good. Um, you guys are awesome. I am thrilled, uh, beyond thrilled, to have you in the network. Whether you cover Texas or not, I, I I think the network got better today because you guys are now part of it. So do me a favor. Plug it all. Plug it away.
2: Where can everybody find everything that you two do to cover Texas? Yeah, so you can find our, our – the show is at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. Again, six years in, I'm still shocked that that was available. Uh, but yeah, at LonghornPod on Twitter. Um, we try to do a good mix of trolling and like actual legitimate commentary on there. Uh, I'm at Gh Goodridge on Twitter. That's a lot of like nerdy stuff. Um, some often topical political stuff and then a lot of like dumb stuff my kids do. So if that's like your vibe, then come on through.
1: You can follow me at Kyle Carpenter on Twitter. I also have my defunct SB Nation from Barking Carnival, the other site. Uh, Texas pregamer account has lived on. It only exists uh, and occasionally some of the things that because Gerald and I are also a family-friendly uh, podcast. Some of the things that I can't tweet from our shared uh, podcast, we'll, we'll find their way to Texas Pre-Gamer, which you can follow at the Texas Pre-Gamer.
0: I didn't know that was you. Okay. Oh No, I, no, I do. Good to know. Good to know. That one stays behind. Uh, Kyle, <laughs> Gerald, welcome, guys. Uh, thrilled to have you.
1: Looking forward to it, man.
0: Glad to be here. It's been a long time coming. When we launched this network, we had a TCU show, and it was fantastic, and Melissa and Colin were great, and they went their separate ways and went on to, to other things, and uh, we, we missed them both dearly. And since then, we have been without a TCU podcast for for a while. It, it, it really stunk to not have a show for TCU during last season, given everything that was going on with TCU, both in football and, and frankly, in basketball as well. So it 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 really puts a smile on my face to finally say for TCU fans uh that the wait is over. We have a TCU podcast in the 1012 network now. I am psyched about this. Uh, I want to introduce you to the hosts of what will now be called the Frogs Up podcast. That is Anthony North, Anthony North and co-host uh Ross Hodges. I forgot your last name. Sorry, Uh, uh, you probably know them from Frogs of War. Uh, We are taking over the Frogs of War feed. It will now be called Frogs Up. Russ, Anthony, welcome to the Ten Twelve guys.
3: Yeah, Philip, thanks for having us. We're we're excited to continue talking about PCU athletics, uh, continuing to to talk together and. Um, it certainly was a, a very magical year across the entire TCU landscape last year and looking forward to the big things ahead and the new Big 12 this season and whatever's ahead in the future of the Big 12. So lots of exciting things happening for TCU and and looking forward to joining up with uh, with your network and all of the great podcasts across uh, the Big 12 conference and, and everything ahead uh, for the sports calendar.
4: Yeah, super thankful for the opportunity. And Anthony and I have been doing the podcast together for about a year now. We had a little bit of a break toward the end of the summertime with things slowing down athletics-wise. Um, a, an unbelievable year for, for TCU sports, uh, starting with football and going all the way through to the, to the College World Series. So we, we had a lot of fun on the podcast every week talking about everything TCU, whether it's football, basketball, baseball. Some of the other sports that don't get as much love, the men's tennis team, beach volleyball team, soccer team, uh, indoor volleyball, rifle, equestrian. They all had fantastic seasons, and I think that's what we enjoy the most is just sharing our our passion for TC sports and doing our best to cover everything that's going on because, you know, as, as much attention as the big sports get, like football, basketball, baseball – there are a lot of things going on that many people don't know about, so we we enjoy sharing that as well. And again, really thankful for the opportunity to to work with the ten twelve network. And uh, we're excited to get this new podcast off the off the ground. It's been a, a process to get everything put together and put in place, but I think we're really happy with the uh, the finished product that we have. And uh, first episode is going to be recording this weekend, so really excited to to get things going here.
0: Look, it's been a long way. I think it's gonna be worth the wait. I mean, people know the names Frogs of War. I mean, many of some fantastic people have come through there. Obviously Melissa Triebwasser, Jamie Plunkett, Parker Fleming. Uh, and I think you guys have just from from that website specifically really kept that banner flying high and, and kept up the 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 level of quality. Uh, of content that's being produced there and and now to have you guys coming into the fold in the 1012 network to to represent tcu for us i mean i think it's i think it just keeps that that frogs of war legacy going Uh, obviously the show will now be called frogs up so like i said if you're a a tcu fan who subscribed to the frogs of war podcast you're just going to suddenly see frogs up show up in your feed when the first episode drops something i'm excited for uh kind of as you guys have been podcasting some as you've been planning what this this kind of new show is going to be about what should fans expect when they when they hear that first episode drop next week
3: yeah we're we like Russ said we're going to to cover all of it there will certainly be a focus on football uh, and you know our opinions on everything covering all the angles of of what everything means uh, at a national scale at a conference scale and, and what it means in, in the TCU history. Both of us are are TCU grads and have uh a, a long history with the program. And so I think uh, you know we bring some of that uh fan baggage, but you know we we cover it with a, a pretty fair look as well. So um certainly a lot a lot of football, but uh we we definitely enjoy talking the the soccer season starts Thursday so this week so um, TCU soccer takes on SMU and and we'll be talking about that uh, alongside everything that's been happening in fall practice and and leading up to the season Um it, it, we'll we'll talk you through all of it everything the, the whole hog of, of TCU sports for sure
4: and one of the things I enjoy personally is the pro frogs the frogs and the pros and there's a lot of Uh, TCU athletes that are competing at the professional level right now. I think that's what we're going to spend some time in our first episode talking about. We had the MLB draft early last month. There were seven TCU players taken in the draft. Uh, Mike Miles and Damian Ball playing in the summer league, getting a lot of NBA reps there, looking to make some NBA rosters. And then NFL preseason. I mean, I was watching, I think I watched the entire Rams-Chargers game just because there were, I think, six TCU players on, on those rosters between those two teams. And you have 32 TCU players right now on NFL rosters and and many are going to remain on NFL rosters as we get into the regular season. So um, I think people should expect some of that in our, in our first episode. And then as Anthony said, we got TCU soccer starting up tomorrow. Uh, Football is getting to the end of fall camp here and volleyball is going to be right around the corner too. So um, our episodes, for those who have been listening, you know, they typically go, uh, anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour, hour 15, maybe an hour 30 if we're getting extra excited. So uh, there's always something to, to discuss and, and hot topics to talk about. So um, expect to expect to action packed first episode for sure.
0: I appreciate that you guys take on the whole frog. Uh, obviously, TCU know. soccer is a ton of fun. Been a, been an, a, a real contender in the Big 12 season, like you said, getting underway. Very exciting pick second in the preseason. BYU number one. This should be a great year. You have equestrian has had a good year. Triathlon is now officially in their first year at TCU competing. Uh, had a, a interview with the head coach last year. Very excited about that. I think that's a lot of fun. Football gets underway. There's a lot to be excited about. Uh, I, I do want your thoughts. You know, TCU coming off a an incredible season. I don't, I, and I don't think any TCU fan that I've I've seen lenses are so purple that they expect a repeat of last year, uh, in football. But I mean, how do you guys feel about this season coming up? Kind of what should expectations for TCU be in 2023?
3: I'll say, I think confidence is, is really high. Um, this team seeing what it took to have that success last season now can kind of see the path and, and see the way to, um, bring that work ethic forward. I think, brought in a lot of really strong transfers to to fill a lot of the holes that were, that were left through now in the NFL, like Russ was saying. So I, I got a chance to go out to the first week of fall camp and there's, there's a lot of uh, really big strengths to this team that, that you don't see a lot of drop off um, pretty well across the board. I think it will, as it always does, it'll hinge on the success of, of quarterback and, Chandler Morris going into this season again as as the likely QB one and hopefully he's able to stay healthy but around him just weapons abound um, at receiver at tight end at running back and the defense is going to be I think will be much stronger than last season actually Um, even despite losing uh, Thorpe Award winner Travis Hodges Tomlinson uh, draft picks uh, uh, D winners and Dylan Horton so I think that those holes have been filled and that the defense will be really strong. I think it, it took a lot of luck last season for some of those games and a lot of those one-score games, but um, I think the talent that TCU brings in this season will be really strong and And Frog fans should expect a really fun season if maybe not uh, a run to the national championship game.
4: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think, you know, to put expectations at 12 or 13 wins again this year, I think might be a little bit of a reach just in the sense that there were so many things that went right for TCU last year. Anthony mentioned how the Frogs were able to stay healthy. I think uh, Coach Kazadi and his approach as a strength and conditioning coach really turned a program around, a program that seemed to really struggle with injuries over the last few years under Gary Patterson. TC was very fortunate not to have many major pieces fall last year. And then you combine that with the Ability to win so many close games. Obviously, the the Baylor game-winning field goal is a memory that's going to stick in in everybody's minds. But um, a lot of things fell into place for for TCU last year. Not to say that won't happen again this year. I think the depth is something that's certainly going to be a strength of this team offensively. You may not have a a game breaker like Quinton Johnston or Kendray Miller, but you have. Incredible depth at both positions. You bring in Trey Sanders from Alabama. You bring in multiple different wide receivers who have been starters, guys like John Paul Richardson from Oklahoma State and Dylan Wright from Minnesota. Jack Beck comes over from LSU. You, you bring back Jared Wiley for his second season at tight end. So th- there's a lot to like about TCU on both sides of the ball. Um, linebacker is another position. Last year, there wasn't a whole lot of depth because a couple guys went down, but Uh, Marcel Brooks and Shadrick Banks and Johnny Hodges, Jamoy Hodge. Jonathan Bax is a freshman who's come in and and showed a lot of promise and is getting a lot of hype before the season. So there's a lot of talent on this team like there was last year. I think the depth in some areas is is stronger than it was last year, but I think it's ultimately going to hinge on uh, staying healthy. The good news is TCU doesn't have to take its bye week at the very begin of, beginning of the season like they did last year. I think it was after uh, the second game of the season that TCU had its bye week, and then the Frogs had to play, uh, I think, 10 games in, in 10 weeks. So it was just a brutal second half of the season not getting any time off. And the the Frogs are going to have a little bit of a reprieve in, in that regard with the bye week being toward the, the middle of the season. And then uh, the first half of the schedule is – pretty favorable i would say when you look at the teams that are that are there and some of the expectations but at the end of the day the team has to perform and uh we'll talk about it on the podcast i'm sure at some point but the quarterback position um there's a little bit of a concern there as far as depth goes but chandler morris has shown that he can play at a very high level you just look at what he did in the baylor game in, in 2021 and what he was able to do in camp last year, winning the job from Max Duggan and then coming in as what appears to be the clear cut starter for, for 2023. So uh, a lot to be excited about and really, really excited to to get this season underway here shortly.
0: Timely for us to be talking as the news that came out Wednesday is that after the TCU and SMU play in 2025, the iron skillet will be taking a, a hiatus uh, for a while. Uh, J- uh, uh, Oh my gosh, the athletic director whose name completely just escaped my mind for some reason, uh had put out a release and stated basically like TCU wants to be playing seven home games on a regular basis eight in some years. Obviously the fact that that part of the reason TCU's had these bye weeks early is because this SMU series is often played in week 4 leaving them with a week 3 hole. I mean, what are your thoughts on this more than 100 year running rivalry game coming to an end here soon?
3: Yeah, for me, I think it's the thing that had to happen um, going forward. I think poor SMU has had a uh, a tough year plus, where their their head coach gets poached by their their arch rival across town, and that arch rival goes on to make the national championship game, and then uh, you know they're they're flirting with various uh, other Power Five conferences and unable to find a, a new home as yet. Uh, of course, that could change any moment. We we have seen that conference realignment, but and then then to kind of have this news formally made clear that uh, TCU would not be going forward beyond the 2025 season. Um, I think the writing was on the wall a little bit there. Um, you know, SMU has tried to kind of throw money here at the last minute at the problems that have probably plagued them for a decade or so of. Their facilities are behind the times there, and their program just is not set up for that level of of being at a power five level. And so, I think they certainly have the money and the capability to get there. It's just not there today. And so, I think that for TCU in the new college football landscape in uh, the twelve team playoff era, and you know where one loss two loss maybe doesn't hurt you in the same way that it does today in a, in a 14 playoff era. If you are able to replace that, that game against uh, a G five opponent with uh, a high level uh, major program that really boosts your, your strength of schedule opportunity and, and gets you warmed up for, for conference play in a better way than perhaps playing SMU does. Um, so, you know, maybe that's it's an indication that the new Big 12 going forward will have 10 conference games. And and that's just one non-conference game that that TCU isn't able to schedule going forward. Maybe it's that. Um, but I, I think it's uh, it's a clear indication that TCU is ready to move on to placing the relationship between TCU and SMU as a You know, if if that is going to continue, it will not be in a home and home type situation. I I do think the programs will play each other in the future. This is not going to be the end. That 2025 will not be the last time the programs ever play, but it may be the last time for this back and forth every season. It must be on the schedule type relationship where maybe it's a two for one. You know, you come to Fort Worth twice for once in Dallas. Um, or or it's just a, a rotation of, of various teams who fill that home slot the same way like an FCS game does today, where TCU rotates various FCS teams local or or beyond that um fill that home that home Amon G Carter Stadium game. And and maybe that's it's SMU one year, then it's North Texas one year, then it's, you know, UTSA one year, then it's UTEP one year. Uh, Maybe, maybe you get a little more rotation, a little bit more variety in those opponents coming in and and you're not needing to take that G5 pay game uh, in, in Dallas.
4: Yeah. I think some longtime fans of college football will say that it's a loss for the sport and that you see all across the nation, the regional, rivalry type games are going away. I mean, you look at what is happening in the Pac-12 right now with Oregon and Washington leaving for the Big Ten. That's uh, two two rivalry games right there that are going to be going away. Texas and Oklahoma leaving for the SEC. That's the Bedlam game going away. Now you have another rivalry game here with the the Frogs and the Ponies going away. But um, I think the people who seem to really care about this the most are maybe those longtime uh, Horn Frog Mustang fans who have been watching these two teams go at it since, you know, maybe the 90s or even the 80s. And just looking at some of these recent results, I mean, TCU is 18 and four against SMU since 1999. It's not really a rivalry anymore from a competitive standpoint. And I understand that uh, SMU had its share of dominance during the rivalry as well. This is a rivalry that goes all the way back to 1915. And the, the all-time series I think is 52 to 42 with seven ties back when uh, ties were more common in in football but I think for me we had talked about it a few times on the podcast last year and I think my views honestly changed as the year progressed because I think early in the season I was for keeping the game you know I think the game is enjoyable it's fun to watch it's always fun to talk a little bit of smack, but as the year progressed and the expectations started to grow for TCU and TCU started to get on a national platform, as far as competing for a spot in the college football playoff, as you get closer and closer to the top of college football, everything becomes so much more scrutinized. And the, the games that you played in September are, are even more magnified at the end of the season when you're trying to get one of those top four spots and everyone's looking for a reason to uh, doubt you or prove you wrong. And I think by the time we got to the end of the season and TCU was jockeying for one of those four spots, I really, I looked back and I just thought the, the game really doesn't do much for TCU anymore. I think for for SMU, it does a whole lot because if, if you're SMU being a G5 school and you're able to knock off a power five particularly on the road as smu did uh fairly recently it carries a whole lot of weight as you go through the remainder of the season whereas if you're tcu the expectation at least for me almost seems to be like that's a game you should win and so if you do win it is that going to add uh a a trophy to your mantle of any sorts I I mean, physically maybe it might in the actual iron skillet for those players but for us as fans watching and you know, weighing what, what team is better than than what other team, the, the game I just don't think it really does much for for TCU anymore. And I, I would really enjoy the prospect of removing SMU and getting some other uh, competitive Power Five non conference game on there. I know that TCU has multiple sets coming up with uh, Stanford in twenty twenty four and twenty twenty seven, North Carolina twenty twenty five and twenty six, Duke in twenty twenty eight and twenty nine. Um, so those will be on the schedule. And of course you're going to have that one FCS game like every other team does. I think that's inevitable, but the, the one thing that I've seen on social media, and I agree with this is I I can't see TCU removing SMU and replacing them with some other G5 opponent. I feel like this has to be a move to get more home games as Anthony said, and I know Jeremiah Donati, the athletic director has uh has reportedly said this according to Steven Johnson of Star Telegram. Um so if that's another reason I I understand that too, but I also think that if you can add another power 5 opponent to your schedule or even as Anthony said a 10th conference game um your strength of schedule is going to get a a big boost and as we know, the the way the college football playoff is trending, we know it's going to go from four teams to twelve teams, and with the Pac twelve com- becoming the Pac four, who knows what's going to happen there? Are they going to merge with the American? Are they going to merge with the Mountain West? I-, I don't know, but it's clearly being set up to have at least one team from each of the four power conferences remaining to get into that playoff, and then maybe a set, maybe a second team as an at large. So. Um, I think you're going to see. Unfortunately, you're going to see more and more of this in the near future. These regional rivalry type games going away, and what what I guess people might call the corporatization of college football and college sports, where it it, it becomes a little more about money and and TV ratings and less about the regional aspects of everything. And it, it is unfortunate, but I think it's just the the business climate that we're in and 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 where college athletics is at so um i'm i'm not gonna miss playing smu a whole lot i'll be honest I, i i think for us younger tcu folk the the rivalries with baylor and with texas tech even with the longhorns carry far more weight than the rivalry with smu does um so was, the I, rivalries
3: with Utah and BYU coming back into, into the Big 12 after uh, having pretty intense rivalries during the Mountain West years, I think are carry more weight, at least with me from, from my particular time at, at TCU, carry far more weight than an SMU rivalry.
4: Yeah, Anthony was still at TCU when the Frogs were in the Mountain West. I started at TCU in 2012, so I am a I am a big 12 TCU guy only. My history does not go too far uh, past 2012, unfortunately. But, you know, it's, just to wrap it up, um, it, it's unfortunate for for some longtime fans, but I think it's something that was inevitable. As Anthony said, the writing was on the wall, and I think most Horned Frog fans are, are ready to move on and and get some fresh opponents on the schedule.
0: Anthony Russ, uh, I just want to say it is an absolute pleasure to have you guys join the 1012 network. I believe that TCU fans are now finally going to be well served here in the network by having you guys as part of it. Uh, the Frogs Up podcast will start uh, launching out next week. In the meantime, Anthony Russ, please plug away. Where can everybody check out the work that you guys do covering the TCU Horned Frogs?
3: Yeah, you can always read us online at Uh Follow us on Twitter. Uh, our personal Twitters, but you, you can see our, our kind of business Twitter, our TCU Twitter is, uh, at Frogs War, um, where, you know, we, we will continue to publish all of our, our written work will show up there. So you'll get to see all of our regular coverage there and, and get to hear us here on, on the ten twelve network in the audio form. And, uh, we'll, we'll probably be posting our podcast to, to YouTube as well. You can find us there we'll plug all of that, uh, once we start pushing these podcasts to your ears,
4: yeah, follow us on social media. We've been really been trying to increase our social media following and increase our web traffic over the last several months, and uh, we've brought on a few more contributors during the summer period. and And I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the the staff that we've put together at Frogs of War uh, with guys like Drew Carlton and Austin McGee, Ali Jawad, Miles Perry. Uh, Matthew Scroy. They're doing a really good job of getting things published on a weekly basis. And we're going to have a, a full slate of content uh, coming out on uh starting, I think, uh, two weeks where we're getting to, towards the end of the summer here. We have a few more football opponent previews coming out next week. And then we're going to have a, a full slate of stuff coming out uh, for the fall starting at the end of August. So, uh, frogs of War.com, frogs of war on facebook and on twitter and we will be here on the 1012 network podcast and so really excited to get everything going
0: welcome guys pleasure to have you look forward to all the great tcu coverage this season thanks philip
4: thanks Podcast Network.